Games rated E to M. Welcome to Nintendo Power Podcast. This episode, we dig into the big updates for Super Mario Maker 2 and Animal Crossing New Horizons. We recommend games for Metroid fans and more. My name is Chris Slate, and joining me today are Morgan Ritchie from Nintendo Treehouse. Hi, Morgan. Hey, thanks for having me. Yeah, thanks for coming back. And you find Lee from the Strategic Communications team at Nintendo of America. Hi, you fine. Hi, Chris. Hey, so I'm really glad you could both join me today because you're the perfect people to talk about some big new updates to a couple of my favorite games on Nintendo Switch. Of course, I'm talking about Super Mario Maker 2 and Animal Crossing New Horizons. Um, now, Morgan, you came on the show back at the launch of Super Mario Maker 2 and... You know, at least in my opinion, you're you're definitely an expert at this game, having created courses for competitive events, going all the way back to the first Super Mario Maker on the Wii U system. So I definitely want to hear what you have to say about the new updates. And uh, and you find even, you know, among everyone here at uh, Nintendo of America that are currently, you know, really into playing Animal Crossing New Horizons, you kind of have a special status because as people go to your island, they come back with all these amazing stories of just how wonderful a place it is. And you just gave me a tour and I got to experience it for myself. <laughs> and it, it definitely lived up to their reputation. So I can't wait to talk about, about that. So you find, and how many hours have you played Animal Crossing New Horizons again? I think we're probably like 220 or something now, two, two, over 220. Wow. Wow, well, it definitely shows it. You know, when I went to your line, it was almost like we were playing different games. Uh, <laughs> the difference was that great. Um, but anyway, like I said, you guys are the perfect people to talk to about these two games and these updates. And I want to start first with Super Mario Maker 2. Um, you know, as a lot of our listeners will know, version 3.0 um, was released on April 22nd. And this included some really big updates, um, most notably uh, to me, World Maker mode. We could create your own super worlds. Uh, that are up to eight worlds and, and uh, 40 total courses each. Um, and you can also find and play other people's super worlds in, in course world. And basically, you know, you, you find someone's super world and you get a title screen, you get a map, you know, you go from stage to stage, uh, you know, you, you finish, you get kind of a short ending, and it's like a full self-contained game now that you can make with Super Mario Maker 2. Um, so let's start there, Morgan. What what was your first impression? I guess as you were starting to experiment with this, and just what are your thoughts on 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 World Maker? Yeah, I'm I'm so excited that World Maker finally made it. I mean, I think I think it's something that all of us that um, you know played or or worked on the game. It's like making courses is great, but you kind of in the back of your mind, you're like, I want to put these all together. I want my you know, I want to I want a world map. I want to be able to link these things. And um, it was really cool to see all the work that the dev team did to put that and sort of bring it to Mario Maker, Super Mario Maker 2. And um, the most exciting thing for me is just that I think it, in, in some ways, it sort of takes the pressure off of makers in a way because when you're making just a single course, I feel uh, like sometimes people maybe, it's like you try to do too much. Like you try to pack everything that you can think of into one course because that's sort of your, this course, somebody plays that course. It's like, this is my calling card as a, as a Mario Maker. But now you can sort of edit those ideas into these bite-sized nuggets um, and link them all together and have different thematic worlds. And uh, that's what was exciting for me to see, not just that you could link your courses together, but that you could have, like you said, up to eight worlds and you could have uh, a snow one, an ice one, uh, sorry, a desert one, a forest one. Um, it, suddenly water courses might make more sense because you have 
the world route go into the water and then pop back out or you go climb a vine up into the clouds and that's where you have your airship level. So I think it just really is going to help uh, makers um, sort of refine, edit and sort of build their own little, like you said, their little uh, Mario masterpiece. Yeah, absolutely. And you know, that's, you mentioned some of the customization you can do on the map. And that's something that I really found appealing, you know, even down to the actual little icons that represent your course on the map. You know, I had a water level and I was happy to find that, that I could make that, you know, the little dot on the map for that level be a, a, a lake. So it really, um, you know, they really line up and you can really put that same level of thought in there that, that they must have put into the, some classic Super Mario games like Super Mario World, which is where the, 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 the kind of look of the map in this game comes from. So, um, Yafine, have you, have you played much Super Mario Maker 2 in the past? Are you aware of kind of all these new updates? Yeah, yeah. You know, it's, um, this actually brought me back in. So, um, it's, I, 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 I sometimes lack, just, I, I need kind of that creative direction to really push me to be a little bit more creative, right? So, I do feel like this update, like, it, it gives me more direction in terms of, like, the story I want to tell. And that, that's what really um, makes me excited to play it. And now I feel like... Sometimes I get lost in like you know what direction to go next with certain levels or all of my levels and looking the same. I do feel like this this update kind of gave me an opportunity to think about okay, what's like the bigger world story I want to tell, and then really build my levels around that. So um, yeah, I'm 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 been super excited about it. Yeah, and I think that's a great point that 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 really affects how you think about your course design now, or at least it does for me. I mean, my first super world that I put together really just was a way to collect the ten stages I'd already made and put a lot of time into. But now I want to create more and, and, and create more courses that I can build into more worlds. And now I'm thinking more like, you know, okay, I need to, uh, I need to have a certain rhythm to this. You know, it's like, it's like I imagine recording an album versus recording a single, right? You, you want to think about how one level leads into the next and you're slowly ramping up the difficulty and, and you're kind of spacing out a variety of, of, of types of levels. So all this new strategy comes into play that's, that's got me really looking at it as a, as a whole kind of game now and not just as, as one-shot levels. And then um, moving on to some of the new course parts um, that were also added to the game, uh, starting with enemies, first of all, all seven Koopalings, and you know, each of them have different attack patterns, and that really immediately uh, you know, added a significant number of new bosses to the game. Um, which was great. I haven't even had a chance to try them all yet. And then you've got the uh, the cursed key from Super Mario Brothers 2, which is great. You grab that key, and then Fanto, the enemy Fanto, chases you as long as you hold it. So uh, kind of a risk-reward there. And then Mecha Koopas, who uh, personally I've been really looking forward to having them added to the game because uh, you know I really loved how they were used in Super Mario World back in the day. And they've got all these crazy new abilities now, so it seems like there's a lot you can do with those. Uh, Morgan, what do you think about these these new enemies? I would imagine Koopalings... Are our favorite, but what jumps out to you? Um, <clears throat> yeah, I mean, the Koopalings not only are Larry, Iggy, Wendy, Lemmy, Roy, Morton, and Ludwig in the game now, nice. but it's kind of fitting that you have seven of them, and you know, and then you also have you know Bowser in the game. Obviously, there's other enemies in Bowser Jr., but say you have a super world with uh, eight worlds, and you need like, and you really are somebody who wants to put a boss at the end of each world. Well, now you have seven. Uh, you know, Koopalings and Bowser or Bowser Jr. or somebody as the final boss. So it's great. I mean, they're great in their own on just in a course, but it's also really cool that um, they can really tie into that sort of uh, world making in a more traditional sense where you're looking for sort of a boss or like a um, at the end of a course. And, and I also just love the art style. You know, those the Koopalings are in um, the four, uh, you know, Super Mario Bros., Super Mario Bros. 3, Super Mario World, and Super Mario Bros. U. 
they're not in the Super Mario 3D World style, but in the four that they are in, just the art is so cool. Like uh, seeing them in sort of pixel form or in that Super Mario Bros. U form. Uh, yeah, it's, it's a great addition. Um, and you mentioned the Mecha Koopa too. And yeah, it's not just the Mecha Koopa, but he's, uh, there's two, um, the alternate versions. There's the Zappa Mecha Koopa, which has sort of a, zaps you with this like lightning laser bolt thing. And then there's the blast of Mecha Koopa and he's blasting those uh, missiles at you, sort of like homing missiles. So really cool stuff you can do with those. Yeah, it's it's like, it's kind of like, there's so many parts and enemies now that it, it, it can be a bit overwhelming. It's like when you go to the store to buy a toothbrush and there's like 500 toothbrushes, but <laughs> the fact that you can now sort of break up your ideas into different uh, courses and build them into worlds, I think it's, it's a good problem to have that there's uh, such a large toolbox now for makers to use. Absolutely. And one of the things that I really liked seeing in the announcement video for this update is, you know, as they're, they're talking through the, the list of new additions, if you actually watch the footage, there's a lot of great examples of, of these uh, new course parts being used. So it's not just uh, a lot of times it's not about throwing everything that you've got into one level, um, but it's about you know, really digging into the mechanics of maybe one or two different key pieces and really finding creative ways, ways to use those. And so I thought that the video gave me a lot of great inspiration on that. And I've carried that over into some of the stuff that I'm working on now for sure. So you find you said that you were, this is kind of bringing you back to the game. Were mm -hmm. you, as far as these new enemies, is there anything in there that you're particularly looking forward to to working with? Yeah, I mean, for me, it's the same, right? It, the Koopalings as a kid, the Super Mario World, like those those characters are really what what stuck out to me and what I remember. And so, for me now, you know, as someone who kind of wants a little bit more, um, a little more direction to kind of kind of inspire me as like what to theme my stages around, I can now choose. Okay, well, if I'm gonna put like Larry as the boss of this level. What am I going to theme the level around? Like, what's Larry's personality? That's kind of how I how I tend to think of it. Is just um, okay. I this is what I think Larry's personality is. I'm going to put you know this 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 in his in his course and really theme it around him. So for for me, that's where a lot of the fun and creativity comes from. Yeah, that's great. Like I said before, it's it's you really start thinking uh, on a whole other level when it comes to putting putting together a world and using all these pieces. Mm -hmm. Well, I'm just going to run through um, uh, the the remaining list of of kind of these. Um, significant new updates. The rest of these are, are power-ups. Um, so to start with, there's the Super Mario Brothers 2 Mushroom, which is a favorite of mine. I'll come back to that in a minute. The frog suit that originally appeared in Super Mario Brothers 3. The power balloon from Super Mario World. The super acorn from New Super Mario Brothers. The boomerang flower from Super Mario 3D World. And then speaking of Super Mario 3D World, a long list of masks or, or things that Mario basically can put on his head that gives him certain abilities, like the cannon box, the propeller box, the Goomba mask, the bullet bill mask and the red pal block. Well, that's a lot of stuff. So I won't necessarily ask you guys to go through the whole thing, but but Morgan, just looking at all those, you know, what are some of the things that are sparking your creativity the most there? Well, I'm actually going to start with something you didn't even mention, which is I think one of the under most underrated new part this update added, which is it added the dotted line block, which is just your simple on-off block that goes from dotted line to solid to Super Mario 3D World. So that's mm. never been in that style, and that's like a part that people use so often. So Take 3D World, which people might not spend quite as much time with because maybe they love dotted line blocks. Add that in. Plus, like you said, the pow the red power box or like the bullet bill mask is super fun um, to sort of fly through the level. So you listed f yeah five wearable boxes or masks uh, for Super Mario 3D World plus the dotted line block and the on-off trampoline was also added to uh, 3D World. So I'm, I'm personally 
uh, been spending way more time in that game style because uh, it wasn't the one that I found myself going to the most often. But um, now that some of uh, there's both new plus old parts added to that, uh, I think has really reinvigorated it for me personally. Yeah, you know, I've uh, I've spent most of my time. In fact, all of my levels are in the in the original Super Mario Brothers style because I really like working with those pieces and those semi-solid backgrounds and that whole aesthetic and, and figuring out how to, to, to kind of, um, you know, uh, take some of those more basic elements and, and make something cool out of them. But I'm seeing all this stuff that's being added uh, to the other to their styles, especially Super Mario 3D World, and I think I'm going to have to start, you know, expanding a little bit. So, you know, uh, I, I love Super Mario 3D World, the actual game to begin with, and I love that style and that music. So I think now I'm finally going to have to start broadening my horizons. So you find what do you think about you know all these power ups and all the stuff that that Morgan just mentioned, um, and also do you have a favorite style when you're working in Super Mario Maker Two? I I do like the 3D world um, look just because of you know it's just I just love to see them in that kind of like alive like 3D visuals. Um, I will say in terms of new items like what excites me the most just aesthetically is just the frog suit just because as a kid I felt like that was just so it was it was one of my favorite looks for Mario overall. Um, I do think the the Super Mario Brothers to the um, the mushroom uh, where you can now transform is 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 a lot of fun just because it adds like a whole new dynamic right of like okay now I can pick up items and throw them how am I going to uh, implement that into into uh, my courses and really just adds that new element that I can really think think new horizons for um, uh, new ways to kind of design levels and, and really um, go 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 off on it. Yeah, that Super Mario Brothers 2 mushroom is is what attracted my attention right away because I love that look of Mario. I love the music that comes with that from the old game. I just, mm-hmm. you know, I love seeing some some love being shown toward that game and and it really changes things dramatically. It reminds me of, of when the update came out where you could get the uh, the Master Sword power up to turn into Link and suddenly it played like a completely different game. Mm-hmm. And I think that's the case too with the Super Mario Brothers 2 mushroom. I'm working on a level now that I'm having a lot of fun with where the only theme really is is you get that mushroom and then you have to ride bullet bills. So you can, uh, similar to riding on Birdo's egg back in the old Super Mario Brothers 2 game, now um, you set up a cannon to shoot a bullet bill and you ride it, and, but at any point you can also pick, bullet, you know, pick up bullet bill. Of course, if you do that at the wrong time, you'll fall. But I'm creating these little kind of action slash puzzle type areas where you, know, you ride past certain, certain dangers and then you have to pick up bullet bill goes somewhere else carrying him put him back in place and then jump on him before he leaves you again so you can continue on you know over different pits and things like that so you know and that's that's just scratching the surface of just one of those power-ups so there's a there's a lot there to play with for sure so you know to close out our, our discussion here about super mario maker 2 and these new updates morgan just what do you think what are some some tips that you might have around some of these parts or maybe about the game in general what do you think people should keep in mind as they, they jump back into this game? I mean, I, th- I mentioned it a little bit at the outset, but I think that um, the more people, I think that, le- you know, Mario levels in general just sort of work best when they, there's a little bit of room for everything to breathe, so to speak. You know, it could be a difficult level or an easy level, but, um, you know, when you're making a super world, I think because you're able to link multiple courses, you can take, you can let your levels breathe a little bit, you know? You don't have to feel like you need to make it the entire uh, length of the the slider that you can go in the length, or you don't have to always add a sub world. You can really sort of, I think, edit down your levels, um, include those really cool uh, elements, uh, you know, obstacles or uh, gadgets or 
long jumps or whatever that make it challenging, but also give players time to sort of uh, gather their breath in between and sort of, uh, I think just, you know, yeah, let your levels breathe. And uh, you can always, if you have a really good idea and you want to pack it in the end of your level, well, now maybe save it for uh, the next course, uh, your world one, two, or your level one, two, so to speak, um, in the next little spot on your, on your world map. Yeah, I think that's great. And I was thinking the same thing. It's like we were talking about earlier with the world map, which is it, it gives you a different kind of flow to the game. And I think if you're someone like me who, who really loves putting a lot of effort into a level and, and putting it out there and on the hopes that you know, somebody will kind of randomly come across it and enjoy it, um, I think you, you tend to want to put everything into that one level because maybe it's your one shot at, at kind of connecting with that player and showing them what you can do. But now um, with the opportunity that someone will come across your, your world and really invest that you know, amount of time into it, um, it kind of feels like a, a, you know, I can allow myself now to take my foot off the gas a little bit and slowly build. And each world, you know, I still want to make it great and as perfect as can be, but it doesn't have to have everything crammed into that one space and you can really um, take your time with it. So, yeah, I'm definitely thinking along those same lines. And uh, you find what would you say, you know, some people might want to keep in mind as they begin to explore either these new parts or, like I said, just get, getting back into the game maybe after a break. Yeah, I think, um, you know, Morgan Morgan hit it on the head. You know, for me, it's it's always been the problem of, well, I've got all these all these ideas, all these parts I want to put in one course. How how does it all become like one cohesive course that nobody that someone's going to play and actually enjoy, right? And so, um, I do think you know the update really does add that element of like giving me that direction or that push, that little bit of a push I need to really be like, okay, it's okay to not have everything in this level because there is another level that can be connected to it, right? So really, really for me, it's the same same advice that Morgan gave because that's really what I've been following too. Is okay now I can really. Um, really spread out my creativity across several levels versus just one um, and then really tell that story, which, which for me is just, is, is the exciting part. Yeah, absolutely. And, and I think continuing on that theme that we've, we've been talking about in terms of, um, you know, taking your time and with, when creating your super world, I think you also need to pay attention to, you know, when considering the flow of the worlds, pay attention to how many um, lives you give the player um, and where you place those one up, mini games on the map and uh and even which kind you choose some seem to be a little bit harder than others so you know uh my my world tends to have a lot of uh, levels that tend to have very small clear rates so with that in mind i made sure to give people a lot of um a lot of lives because you know i wanted to be fair and didn't feel like they had to keep restarting because because uh the levels were just too too daunting so maybe keep that in mind as well too and, and then like i said earlier i think you know something that was really illustrated well in that video is just pick one or two parts or one, even a, you know, like pick a part in an enemy or some kind of challenge yourself with some kind of combination. You know, maybe this level is going to be all about, you know, on-off blocks and bullet bills or something like that. And limiting yourself, I think, can help spur creativity if maybe you're looking at all these different options. And like Morgan said earlier, you're not quite sure where to start. So yeah, I think those are all great tips. All right. So thanks guys for that. And now let's move on to Animal Crossing New Horizons. Um, just to recap a little bit here, um, there was a series of free updates to the game that started back on April 23rd. And let's start with some stuff that uh, people will have uh, encountered already. We've got Leif's Garden Shop, if I'm saying that right. I'm never sure if it's Leif or Leif. <laughs> but uh, now he will regularly visit your island uh, to sell shrubs and flower seeds. And then Jolly Red's Treasure Trawler, where he will uh, show up on his boat and sell art and furniture with unique colors 
And like in previous Animal Crossing games, his art could be the real deal or it could be a fake knockoff, and you have to really <laughs> try to figure that out. And if you've got the real deal, you can donate it to the museum, and uh, they'll open an, an a whole new wing of the museum, an art gallery for paintings and sculptures, which is great. I hadn't even considered that they might expand the museum. So, uh, so you find, let me ask you first, have you been duped by Jolly Red, and what do you think... <laughs> What do you think of Leaf? Because I know that your island is is very floral, so I'm imagining <laughs> that you're getting a lot of great use out of what he has to, to offer. Yeah, no, I, I I have not yet been duped by Red. Um, I I I've had him visit um, once already, and uh, so I think he, he gives you the first one, and and I I was able to expand my museum. He came again, and I I somehow managed to pick the right the right painting. So I, I, I'm not ex exactly sure wh how you're supposed to tell if it's, it's right just yet, but um, I think I got pretty lucky with this one and I, and I thought I looked at all the options pretty closely to make sure I chose something that was legit. So um, I've not yet been duped by him, but I'm sure it'll happen at some point in the future. Um, I mean, I, I love Red in general too. He's just such a such a funny character, and he's he's like sneaky, right? Just to, just just uh, for lack of a better lack of a better word, um, but he's he just he's just so interesting of a character, and I love how how shady all of his interactions are. Yeah, I think it's great that the, the game can have those characters. I mean, by and large, you you just love them all, and and they're all just friendly and nice, even if they do have some quirky personalities. But I like that there's there's one or two that you can kind of build a love-hate relationship with a little bit. <laughs> yeah, definitely. Um, and L Leaf is great, because I, when I first saw the update um, that, that shrubs were coming, I was I was probably a little more excited than I thought I would ever be for something like shrubs, right? <laughs> because, um, like you mentioned, like my 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 uh, my island is, is, is fully decked out in flowers everywhere, and as soon as I saw the shrubs update, I, I was like, oh, man, man, where am I going to put all these shrubs? I need to find, like, places to to really want to outline like where am I, am I going to replace my flowers or am I going to like have them accent my flowers so um the shrubs the shrub update was was probably the most exciting for me just cuz i it really impacted my island and and really made me go back and think some of some of the areas where i maybe felt a little bit um like things were going a little bit um stale for me design wise right cuz i was thinking oh i'm already done with this area um but now i can go back and say oh okay i kind of want to add a shrub here i want to add a shrub there i want to frame my flowers in a certain way. It's uh, brought a, a lot of new opportunities for me to think through. Well, that's definitely the first thing I noticed when I flew over your, your island before I even landed was was two things. One, you seem to have um, done a lot of island designing and you have a lot of, uh, you've done a lot with the multi-tiered kind of approach with waterfalls and mm -hmm. everything. It all just looks very carefully crafted. But then you've also, with flowers and shrubs, really built out the, uh, and it, I feel bad because Isabel's <laughs> always telling me that if I want to get KK Slider to come to my island, I really, one of the things I should focus on is planting some flowers and just bringing up the general appeal of, of, of my <laughs> island. And now I kind of see what she's talking about now that I've been to your place <laughs> and can see the comparison. I've got a long ways to go, apparently. I, but, um, I, I might have gone a little overboard with the flowers. Um, <laughs> Isabel might complain at some point, I'm, I'm guessing. <laughs> yeah, that would be great if at some point she said, look, dude, <laughs> tone it back. Yeah. <laughs> well, Morgan, what interests you more, possibly being duped by a uh, shady art dealer or decking out your island in some beautiful shrubbery? Uh, definitely shrubbery. And um, I, can't, I can't even say my island because uh, I'm actually sharing an island with my uh, five-and-a-half-year-old daughter, uh, and this is basically her first video game. It was like the perfect game at the perfect age where she was ready to ready to do it. And uh, I've been reading, reading the messages to her and uh, 
she started playing first, so she's the island rep, which has been pretty pretty hilarious. So our <laughs> island is progressing a little bit more at her pace. Um, but uh, yeah, we we do a lot of gardening at home. She likes planting flowers in our front yard, and she has been loving planting flowers on the island. So uh, she actually, you know, she she'll usually play the game in the middle of the day, maybe you know, half an hour, hour in the middle of the day. And uh, she got to the update before I did, and uh, when I. You know, she was like, look, look, Dada, look, look, shrubs. I got shrubs now. And it, it was awesome to see the the delight uh, to have, you know, another option. To, and she'd already had it. She already bought some and planted them. And um, it's great. Um, it's been, yeah, it's been the rhythm of plant, of sharing an island with a, with a five-and-a-half-year-old has been hilarious. I basically, uh, you know, she's, she plays during the day while I clean up the house. And then at night she goes to bed and I play. And then I kind of clean up the island because she's uh, left a lot of stuff <laughs> everywhere. So. <laughs> that's great you can kind of help her out i, I love that my, my kids are, are both um you know they have their own nintendo switch but they share on that nintendo switch they share an island so you know they'll come visit my island or vice versa or uh, i'll try to bring them things to help them kind of get going a little bit but but they've really been into the game too and it, it is fun because um my son has more of the dynamic where he's he's just kind of playing for fun and he's not as as on target with some of the tasks that need to be done whereas uh, my daughter is much more on that. So sometimes there's a little bit of a push and pull there. But uh, we talked about this a lot in the last couple of episodes, but I just love how uh, this is a game that seems to be bringing together all kinds of players. And um, and it's great that that's her first, your daughter's first game. I can't think of a better a better one to, to kind of introduce her to. It's been so fun. And just finally last night after two weeks of asking, my wife finally uh, joined the island and set up her tent, which was yet another thrill for my for my daughter. Especially the fact that my wife has a has a tent on the on the you know, compared to my <laughs> daughter's now uh, decked out house. <laughs> <laughs> That's great. All right, so continuing on with uh, the different um, updates that were announced, there are also going to be seasonal events. Um, we've got Nature Day. Uh, this one is just coming to a close. It was from April 23rd to May 4th. Um, and um, it involved special Nook Miles challenges focused on nature-inspired goals, such as planting trees and watering flowers. You find, have you really uh, had a chance to take the most of or make the most of Nature Day? Oh, definitely. Um, every day I've been doing the, the daily uh, limited time events that, um, that, that's part of your Nook, Nook Miles Plus um, uh, allocation at the top. And then also uh, just planting a bunch of shrubs everywhere, um, waiting for leaf to hopefully come back so I can buy a little bit more. Um, and I think, what was it? I think I got, um, azaleas and hibiscus, which, which were the first two that I, that I had the option to buy. And, and I have a feeling there's others that you can actually get too. So I've been, I've been kind of chatting with friends to see who's got what and, and trading, trading shrubs, uh, for those who have bought uh, a few extras, um, and really just adding a lot more green, um, to my Island as, as if it needed more, but, um, <laughs> You know, it's there's also um, hedge hedge fencing, which is something that that really got me excited, just because um, I have fence I have fencing all over my island, and um, and the fact that now they've added this this fencing that's that's completely made of grass, and you can just kind of um, create essentially like little gardens um, in and around your island. Um, that's been really cool too. So I'm keeping myself busy, just thinking about where to put all this new stuff um, around the island. That's great, and. And then just to finish off on the, uh, the um, seasonal events that, that are happening kind of right around this time this episode posts, um, the May Day Tour, which uh, lasts from May 1st through the 7th, the first week of May, um, this allows you to use a one-time May Day ticket for a limited-time tour to a special island with a special visitor. Um, 
So that sounds pretty intriguing. I wonder who this special visitor could be. Uh, any thoughts there that you find? Are you looking forward to this one as well? Oh, definitely. I mean, I think in the in the trailer we saw the back of someone's head, which which I'm de- I'm definitely hoping it's Rover, but uh, you know, <laughs> who knows when they when they turn around. <laughs> So Morgan, what does your daughter think of just the fact that, uh, you know, I don't know how much she's maybe realized this yet, just that this game continues to kind of evolve and, and that this world, you know, has holidays and special parties and things just like in the real world. Yeah, I think that, you know, the, the first actually inclination that she had was was less even about the events being added which, or new, new spec, but just I would have her, you know, have some friends that she's flown over to visit their islands to get some new flowers or uh, and just seeing what others had done was sort of like, whoa, how do I get all this other stuff? And then add on top of that, like you said, suddenly there's uh, the ability to buy shrubs or there's, um, I mean, I can't tell you how much like the eggs and the bunny day, at least for my daughter, man, she was all in on it. It was, it was fantastic. <laughs> so she was just like, what, what, what is, what's happening? So yeah, I think it's still sort of, she's still sort of realizing, um, uh, how much I think will change and will be added. And uh, even the fact that, you know, like you say, you pay off your mortgage in your house, you have to wait the next day to see your house. She's actually, she really take, has taken it in stride. And she, I think it, it's a really great to see her sort of like, oh, I can't wait to, I can't wake up, wait to wake up tomorrow and see my new house. Um, so yeah, the, the, the pace and sort of the way things sort of um, unfurl uh, is a, re- she's really gotten into the, uh, the pace of it all. That's great. Yeah. Well, I'm going to quickly run through um, the other upcoming seasonal uh, kind of events that were announced, um, starting with International Museum Day. This is from May 18th to the 31st. This will allow you to take part in a stamp rally, and this is where um, you know you receive a special stamp card, and then you kind of go around enjoying viewing the fish, insects, and fossils uh, while collecting stamps at the various museum exhibits. If you do that, you can get an in-game reward. Looking forward to finding out what that is. And then there is the, for the full month of June, um, wedding season. This is where you visit Harvey's Island to meet the married couple Reese and Cyrus. And you get to take anniversary photos with them in uh, the wedding picture studio. And this will get you some wedding themed items. You find, um, what are you most looking forward to? Uh, I'm, I'm really curious to see what the, uh, the museum stamp day stuff is going to be. Just because, um, you know, as of now, I, I go through my, I've, I've been filling up my museum as a, you know, as a diligent donator, right? Um, but I, and I go through and I kind of look at the exhibits. I'm kind of excited to, to see that, well, we, we just got the expansion of the art, right? So even now, the museum's already gotten bigger. And just to see, you know, some more, um, more things to do in the museum, I'm pretty excited for just because as of now, like I go through and look at it, but I haven't really spent that much time just because I've been focused so much on the rest of my island. So um, I'm excited to, you know, really give the museum a little bit more time and, and like take my time going through whatever the activity is. Um, and for the wedding stuff too, um, same, right? I, I, I spent a little bit of time taking photos um, on Harvey's Island, uh, but this seems like it's going to add uh, some more stuff to do there and also some some fun wedding themed um, um, furniture and such to kind of decorate my own island with too. Cool. And uh, Morgan, um, what are you looking forward to either, you know, some of this upcoming, um, these upcoming events or maybe because, uh, you know, your game is proceeding at, at your kind of your daughter's pace right now, maybe just in general, what's something in the game that you're looking forward to trying and haven't had a chance to yet? I mean, it's a, sim- it's a small thing, but I just like the change in the seasons or just the, you know, the, the changes that come with the time of year or even my daughter the other day asked if she could stay up late so she could look at the stars in the game, you know, because it doesn't get dark on the island until, <laughs> until after her bedtime. So um, just sort of all of it. And I like, I'm, and I'm not, I'm not sort of like, 
you know, she doesn't really know any of that stuff's coming until it comes. So I'm sort of just uh, going to try to take it all in stride with her and it, really enjoying sort of uh, playing it at her pace. And uh, yeah. The island life pace. <laughs> yeah, cool. Well, before we finish talking about Animal Crossing New Horizons, you find, you know, you have, as you said, spent quite a bit of time in this game. So I just wanted to ask you um, if you have any general thoughts, maybe some tips or things that you learned while building up, you know, your island that you might want to pass on to other people. And speaking, I'm speaking particularly for myself right now because I, um, you know, I'm still at the point, I, you know, I've spent a lot of time designing my, my clothes and stuff. I've basically been doing everything except what Isabel's been telling me <laughs> to do to try to finally get to the point where where um, KK Slider's going to come to my, my island and then, and I understand that uh, I would eventually get the island designer functionality. So if you've got any maybe broad general, like don't tell me exactly what to do, but things that I might broad, generally speaking, things I might keep in mind on how to, to get my island ready to take that next step. What would you recommend? Yeah, you know, that's the that's the best part about it is, that, I mean, I've had a lot of friends um, who've been playing and everyone's kind of maybe started at different times. And, and it's it's really interesting to see how everyone chooses to play differently, right? It's It's... Some people are focused on, I want to, you know, I want to collect all the clothes and make my Islander, um, you know, have all these cool outfits. Other people are more focused on, okay, I want to, I want to get KK Slider to come. I want to get Island Designer. So, so it's really just, just really, I mean, for me, getting to the point of getting KK to come, it was really just focused. I was really just wanting to design more of my Island and really just went, went wild with all the ideas that I had. Um, and it just kind of ha- came naturally from there. And so... Um, in terms of advice, I would, I would say, you know, just think about what you want your island to look like and really think about, you know, um, how you want to make it all look, plant some trees, you know, plant flowers, uh, based on like what you want the layout to be. And I think naturally you'll just kind of make that, you make those steps towards getting there, right? It's, it's less so about like, okay, what exactly do I have to do? It's, it's more about, okay, now I have the freedom to kind of just, you know, think about what I want my island to be and then just really, really have fun with it from there. And I think eventually you'll just come to a point where you're, you're realizing, oh, I think, I think I'm hitting that, I'm hitting that next goal already without even realizing it. Yeah, that's a good point. The game does a pretty good job of that, especially with the whole Nook Miles program Mm -hmm. where it's just constantly kind of rewarding you for just doing the things that you're already enjoying doing. So, Mm -hmm. so maybe if I just stop uh, designing um, retro game clothes for my (laughs) character, for a little while, uh, it'll just now. Na- I'll naturally get to that next level. Maybe you do do what you want to do, Chris. That's that's the that's the <laughs> whole point. All right. Well, thanks again, guys, for that. And now we are going to move on to players' pulse. Um, now this is where we always check with uh, the Nintendo fans out there, but this time we tried things a little bit differently. Um, we posted three polls on um, Twitter. And I just wanted to ask some random stuff and see what people would say. And uh, I was really happy with the results. Um, First of all, we asked, if you're in first place, which item would you rather have? Obviously, this was in reference to Mario Kart 8 Deluxe. And uh, the the possible answers were Boo, a Red Shell, a Superstar, or a Super Horn. And Superstar was the lead vote getter at about 43%. And, uh, but it was kind of a tight race. Superhorn got 31%, and Red Shell, 17%. Uh, Boo, I guess you don't quite know what you're going to get when you steal an item, so not as good as the other ones. But, but um, Morgan, what do you think? If, if it's between Superstar and Superhorn, which would you rather have on that final lap if you're holding the lead? 
I mean, Superstar is tempting, but I feel like I would be stressed about when to use it, you know, because you're not going to have, I mean, it's going to protect you. I mean, I think I would, I would go Superstar as well, but it would be, it, it would be unfamiliar to have a Superstar if I was already in first place. So I would definitely be like checking my rearview mirror a lot. And then I'd probably trigger it the second I saw any danger coming, or obviously like you'd have to time it. Like, how long is this going to last? Okay. Can I hold it until the right moment to have it carry me across the line or do I need to use it defensively uh, early, earlier than you might want. So I, I like, I like the dynamic that would be in play there. Yeah. But to, to your point, I think if you could have any of these in first place, you'd be pretty happy. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> I'm usually, it's usually a banana uh, hanging off the back. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Or coins. Yeah. Which yeah. are very helpful. All right. The next question we asked is which style of multiplayer gaming do you prefer? And co-op beat competitive 57% to 43%. So you find, what do you think about that? Are you surprised that more people would rather team up in co-op than, than face off by a slim margin, at least? No, I, I, I can see that. I'm, I'm definitely a, a big co-op gamer, right? I, I, I love just like sitting down and playing, playing with friends or playing with my partner. So it's, um, I would choose co-op too. You know, there's just so many good co-op games out there. And I, I love just like the joy of like, you know, even if like, let's say we're playing Super Mario Party, right? If you're all just playing co-op together and you're teamed up, like there's just that, there's a little bit of that competitiveness, but also that like lighthearted fun that comes from co-op games. So um, co-op would definitely be my choice. Yeah, I think that's right for me too. Although I really do love playing uh, Mario Kart 8 Deluxe competitively online, but maybe because I'm not the best uh, competitive player in other games, I'd rather uh, <laughs> just be friends with people and, uh, and, and team up. <laughs> All right, and the final question that we asked was, who would you pick to be your personal life coach? And the options were Ezlo from The Legend of Zelda, The Minish Cap, Fee from The Legend of Zelda, Skyward Sword, Midna from The Legend of Zelda, Twilight Princess, or Navi from The Legend of Zelda, Ocarina of Time. Morgan, let me first ask you, before I, I say who won, who would you rather be your personal life coach? Ezlo, Fee, Midna, or Navi? For me, it's Navi. Um, I think... Partially just sort of, I don't know. It just it's like just this the pleasing, the aesthetically pleasing. I, I want I want Navi, uh, you know, just kind of hanging around me all the time. <laughs> Navi's certainly good at getting your attention if yeah. uh, you know anything should happen. Um, well, the winner was Midna with uh, an overwhelming fifty four percent. I feel like Midna is one of my favorite characters here and and would be great, but Midna would also. I think uh, her words of advice would often be very harsh. I don't think she really pulls her punches. <laughs> yeah, I would choose. I would have chosen Midna too. I just love that the thematic, and she's hiding in your shadow and all that kind of stuff. Well, great. Thanks to everyone who participated in the poll, and we'll see what uh, crazy questions we can think of for next time. Now we are going to move on to pros picks. And you know, this is where we always recommend games that we've been enjoying. But I thought this time. Uh, we change it up a little bit. You know, like a lot of people right now, I've had some extra time to play games. So what I've done personally is I've gone back to finish some action uh, exploration games uh, that I hadn't gotten through before. That's one of my favorite genres, going all the way back to the original Metroid game on NES. And, um, you know, these games tend to have lots of content and are, are fun to just spend a lot of time kind of meticulously working through, especially if you're trying to get 100% of everything. Um, so, you know, I was hoping that we would each share this time, uh, you know, a game that we would recommend in that genre that people might want to check out on their Nintendo Switch. Um, so Morgan, let's start with you. What, uh, what kind of action exploration game would you recommend people to check out? Yeah. So I was thinking about action exploration type games and, um, 
thinking about it, it took me all the way back to what for me, I believe, uh, is was the first type of game I ever played in this in this style, which was uh, Blaster Master uh, on the NES, which uh, I think came out in 1988. And uh, I think I got I think I rented it. I don't think I I was a my dad would let me rent games rather than uh, buy new games. So I'd work through a lot of them. And that one, man, I rented that one over and over. Um, and yeah, you know, in, in, if people haven't played Blaster Master, it's, uh, and if you have Nintendo Switch online, it is one of the uh, NES games you can play on it. And I think it still holds up. I mean, it, you have this, um, this sort of Jeep tank thing, Sophia, that you drive around. Um, and it has a cannon. You can missiles and upgrade it and stuff. But you can also hop out of the, the vehicle and walk around. You're this tiny little... Um, dude and uh I, I just love that dynamic of having this vehicle that you're driving around and then you hop out and you do little missions and then you can hop into this um you go in these little doorways and then you're sort of it's, it's yet another perspective as the little um character and uh it still holds up to me i, I was uh, playing it today uh on there and uh you know i think as a kid it really kind of tied into so you're na navigating this world and doubling back and climbing down ladders and up ladders and you're climbing in and out of your vehicle. And I did the same thing with my own sort of toys and action figures. All the action figures had their own vehicles and you're going this way and that way and stuff. So, um, yeah, I just really like that game. If people have never played Blaster Master, um, I would check, check it out. And uh, there's also an updated version, uh, Blaster Master Zero, which was sort of, uh, uh, I don't know the right way to describe it. Um, you, you yeah, probably have a better term for it for me, but... Um, it's kind of a remake or reimagining, yeah. I'm not sure, but it, it has its roots in the original game, yeah. Yeah, and uh, I, I already had Blaster Master Zero, and I really enjoyed it. There's also a second uh, sequel to that one, and today I actually went and played the, the first level in both, and it was really cool because I hadn't... When I played Blaster Master Zero and enjoyed it, I, didn't, I hadn't played the original that soon after, and just playing the first level side by side just uh, was really cool to see how inspired it was and the little tweaks they made, so... Um, yeah, I just I never got tired of driving around that that Jeep tank thing. I agree with you. There was something magical back then, and I think it holds up today about just being able to take, uh, you know, the character out of the vehicle and then kind of go exploring on your own. And of course, at that point, you're much more vulnerable, and it's you know much more the enemies are much more deadly. Mm -hmm. uh, and then being able to when you finally get back in the vehicle, you feel so safe and powerful again. Yes, exactly. Uh, I love that. I yeah. love it. Well, that's a great one, and and I agree that I think all those um, the, the Blaster Master titles, the original NES game, and 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 Blaster Master Zero and Blaster Master Zero Two, uh, the the latter of which actually came out not too long ago, are great great options. You find how about you? You know, I I I think I have to I have to choose Hollow Knight. Um, I'm mm, yeah. I'm I play a lot of indie games, and and um, you know, Hollow Knight is just is just really stuck out to me over the years. Um, you know, there's there's just such a such an immersive quality to it, and I'm, I'm I've always been really big. I, I, growing up, I played a lot of RPGs and um, really loved games for the storytelling and like the artistic direction. And and Hollow Knight to me, it's I guess like when I first started playing it, I I, I wasn't really sure what I was getting into, right? I I didn't realize um, I was like, oh, you know, it's just it's it's a platformer type. You know, you'll you'll go around, you'll it's it'll have some action exploration, but uh, you know, this one really, really sucked me in story-wise and just, you know, even down to like the, even down to like the, the, the music and the sound design, like really, really just hooked me in. And um, it's definitely challenging, but that's, that's something I enjoy, right? There's, I think for me, <clears throat> if a game is challenging, there has to be something that's really like hooking me and getting me back into it. And for me, it was really wanting to explore more, right? 
um, if I hit a boss where I was like, man, this is really tough, um, eventually it was like, well, I'm so into this. I want to find out what happens next. I want to explore that area that's just beyond the boss. Um, that's that's what really kept me going and what really motivated me to be like, okay, let me try fighting this boss 10 more times to see if I can beat it. Um, I mean, eventually, you know, and the game, the game does a great job of really, um, you know, easing you into like, into kind of the, the mechanics, you, you really do feel like you're, you're improving, right? Your own, um, your own in, in gameplay, your, your hands are maybe getting a little bit quicker because you're getting used to, um, you know, all the buttons and, you know, it's, it's, it's simple in terms of mechanics, right? Cause you're, you're, you're slashing, you're jumping, uh, you're bouncing off of enemies, but, um, there is a lot of skill involved in it. So to me, it's just one of those games where there's just such, such a great balance between, you know, skill level from the player where you're you're feeling like you're improving um there's like rpg elements in there where you're kind of just um collecting things and learning new abilities and then there's also you know just that the really immersive world and story where i just i really want to find out more and it just keeps keeps me hooked the whole time so i can't recommend that one uh, any any more than that it's it's a it's a really awesome game yeah absolutely i i really put a ton of time into that and got really lost in that world and I would say that for people who like these kinds of games, this is one of the more challenging in terms of if you want to kind of uncover everything the game has to offer because there's just mm -hmm. so much. But like you said, they do a good job of kind of easing you into it. And even later on when it gets really challenging in terms of you know certain, certain things you might want to try to do in certain parts of the map, um, even certain some optional enemies or bosses that you want to fight, can be really challenging but you they give you a lot of different items that you can find and you know some you always kind of have limited slots to kind of turn them on or off so you have to really be strategic mm -hmm. in kind of what abilities you're giving yourself so i've found that if i get really stumped in that game i often take you know pause it and go to my um inventory menu and really take a look at what i have and mm -hmm. reconfigure kind of my my abilities and sometimes that helps me get past it but but yeah, the game just has this this richness to this to the to the lore of it that mm -hmm. as you continue to explore the maze, you feel like there's a real history to it, and it has this strangely odd appeal. And when you mix that together with this kind of um, you know dark gothic kind of look, mm -hmm. um, it, it really is a very unique and, and compelling game for sure. Yeah, and you know there definitely were I definitely didn't beat the game in one sitting, right? It was. It was de there are definitely points where I think I probably hit a boss that I couldn't beat after a few times, and and really what I did was I kind of just stepped away for a bit. Sometimes you just need to like maybe take a day or two to like, like recuperate, or like you know sometimes you you try beating a boss for so long you're just like I can't do it. Stepping away for a bit and maybe waiting a day or two and then coming back like I've there have been moments where I've come back and I beat the boss on the first try um, after just trying after just stepping away for a day, and so. You know that it's it's definitely one of those things where you're going to run into challenges, but it's 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 so gratifying to be able to to finally get overcome those and then progress through. Yeah, definitely. Well, I'm going to get to my game now, and this is this is really the game that inspired me to to kind of have this discussion with you guys today. And this is Monster Boy and the Cursed Kingdom uh, from Game Utelier, I think it is. Um, now, this is similar to another game that's available on Nintendo Switch called Wonder Boy the Dragon's Trap from Lizard Cube. And uh, that game um, was a one-to-one -one remake of a game called Wonder Boy 3 the Dragon's Trap for the Sega Master System way back in 1989. And um, even though the, the Sega Master System maybe wasn't as big here as in other regions, it's, there seems to be a lot of uh, nostalgia and love for those Wonder Boy titles, uh, especially the, 
the ones like Wonder Boy Through the Dragon's Trap, which had uh, kind of that action exploration element built in. But Monster Boy and the Cursed Kingdom, the game that I'm, I'm going to talk about here, uh, is an all-new game. But it is very much a spiritual successor to those original Wonder Boy games. And it even pays homage to those um, with some really cool references that fans can find hidden in the game. And to me, this game, I mean, for the genre, I just finished it and put it down. And I just thought this, this game was a masterpiece. I mean, that the platforming is really fun. There's lots of different forms you can switch between. So you might be you know, a human or you can have, you can turn into a, a tiny snake that can crawl into to holes or a, um, a pig kind of person that has the ability to kind of sniff, sniff out clues. Uh, the dragon lets you fly. The lion has these cold charging and down thrust attacks. Um, and it's just really strong. So as you're going through the world and kind of going, you know, backtracking through certain areas, you'll realize that now that you've, you've gained this new form, it gives you access to this whole new branch of the map. And all the actions and platforming to me were just really fun to perform. So even just kind of running back through some of the same areas on your way to somewhere else in and of itself was just a pleasure. And, and they do a great job with the map itself and having, um, uh, making it really clear and, and color-coded exactly kind of where you are and, and marking the secrets and even having some lots of uh, good fast travel uh, of spots so you don't have to, you know, backtrack completely through every room. You can just kind of skip around as you unlock those those travel portals. Um, so, and the music's great. The graphics are great. Great hand-drawn animation. It's a very colorful, sunny, kind of cheerful, classic-feeling game, but very much with a modern HD kind of slick look to it um and i also liked that uh you know for a game like this where there's so much to find especially if you want to get 100 percent of everything i mean first of all there's a lot of great equipment uh that you can grab and equip and and depending on kind of the area of the map you're in it might more make more sense to have for example you know uh, an ice sword or it might more sense to have heat resistant armor so you know you can kind of switch things on the fly like uh to to accommodate the situation um and then, of course, ultimately, you're kind of grabbing collectibles to build the ultimate sword, shield, you know, accessory, and those types of things. So there's a lot there to find. And, and then in the end game, when you finally, um, you know, are near near the boss, you kind of gain the ability to, you know, if you want to, to purchase these options at the shop to help identify where certain, you know, whatever you haven't found yet to find where it might be on the map. And they never tell you exactly where it is, um, just the general area. So it can still be pretty challenging to find everything. But I was able to finally do that, and, and I really felt uh, like it was a pretty big accomplishment. Uh, but I stuck with it and, and just had a ton of fun. And then um, really briefly, I also want to mention a, a couple of other games that I've talked about before uh, on this uh, show, um, one being um, Iconoclasts, which is a great game uh, of this type that probably has the best story uh, out of all the, my favorite games on the Nintendo Switch uh, for action exploration. Um, and then there's um, Axiom Verge, which you know a lot of people are familiar with. It really feels a lot more like old school, like even like original NES Metroid, but still with a map and some, some more modern kind of touches. But I would say that's one of the more challenging ones. Um, but if people are looking for that, that higher level of challenge, that's a great game to, to try to get and, and get 100% on. So so I think those are all great options. I think the, the games you guys mentioned are also some of my favorites. And I think if anybody starts digging into one of those, they'll find that it'll keep them busy for quite a while. There's a lot, a lot of, of good fun there to be had. All right, now moving on to the Warp Zone quiz. 
Uh, of course, we have this every episode. This is where I'm going to read off some clues and see if you guys can guess three games uh, that came out 10, 20, and 30 years ago. Um, the, only, the, the big clue here being that they all came out during the month of May. You guys ready? Ready. Ready. Cool. So the first one, 10 years ago, this was in May of 2010, Nintendo released a game for Wii where you could drill into the dirt, create clouds, or roll as a rock, and your hub world was a giant head. Any guesses? Giant head. Turns 10 years old. It's one of the most popular games on the Wii system. Giant head may have had a mustache on it. Uh, uh. <laughs> Man. <laughs> All right, I'm going to go ahead and tell you. I know you guys will know it as soon as I tell you the answer. Super Mario Galaxy 2. Oh, oh man. man, with the I, I I tried to make it a little tricky by you not did, you did. the <laughs> usual clears. I stuck to the new power-ups, you know, Cloud Mario, Rock Mario. Oh man, my brain went way away uh, far away from that. Yeah, you, <laughs> yeah, you totally tricked me. But I will say that is one of my all-time favorite games and I I completed I don't I don't remember the exact collectible, but I 100% of that game completely. Yeah. Let me ask you this, let me ask you this really quick. Where do you fall on whether Super Mario Galaxy 1 or 2 is the better game? I, for me, I spent so much time on two, two, I, I'm, I'm partial to two. I spent so much time. I mean, until my thumbs were, you know, <laughs> one with the controller. I, I think I am too. I think I, I have a, a nostalgic love for the first one because it was so fresh and new at the time, mm -hmm. but I think two really refined uh, the idea and, and took it to another level. All right, moving on. 20 years ago, this is May of 2000. The clues are... Nintendo published an N64 game that pushed the system and its expansion pack to their limits, in which your mission was to infiltrate the Datadyne skyscraper, locate Dr. Carroll, and bring him back to the Institute undetected and unharmed. The game was the spiritual successor to one of the most memorable multiplayer games of the N64 era. Any guesses? Perfect Dark. Nice. That's it, exactly. <laughs> Perfect Dark. I played, I played so much of that game. I, I, just, I knew it after the second line. <laughs> Awesome. Well, you're back on the winning track here. Nice work. You, you saved you saved our rep there. <laughs> I'm, I'm totally riding your coattails now. <laughs> All right. Well, one last question here. The 30 years ago, this is May of 1990, um, the clues are Square developed a game for NES that starred the Light Warriors and marked the first entry in a beloved series. The Nintendo Power strategy guide to this game promised info on weapons, spells, friends, foes, and maps that would lead to victory. Any guesses? The Light Warriors. They could include a fighter, a thief, so black belt, black mage. Is it Final Fantasy? But I, I wasn't sure if this, if it Final Fantasy started before this, or if that if it was 1990 when it first started. That's it. It's Final Fantasy <laughs> for the NES, Ooh, the right. original game. Also, uh, Ninja yeah. Gaiden 2: The Dark Sort of Chaos came out in May of 1990. Almost chose that one, but you know, Final <laughs> Fantasy. Come Man, on, 30 years. Go. Yeah. All right. Awesome. So I said that was the last question, but I lied because now we have a bonus question. Yes. It's an audio only question, just like uh, we tried uh, for the first time last episode. So I'm going to ask if you can guess which game this sound comes from. Any guesses? Oh my gosh, it sounds so familiar. familiar. Oh, man. So familiar. The only th I, this is probably dead wrong, but any chance to mention Pilot Wings is a chance to mention Pilot Wings, so that's my guess. <laughs> <laughs> 
No, but I almost feel like giving you credit just because you mentioned pilot wings. <laughs> Thank you. All right, for anyone listening, I'm going to play it one more time. All right, you fine? Any guesses, or should I go ahead and reveal the, the I mean, game? It sounds like a, like a Mario Kart like roulette, but a, a, I, I don't know why I also thought Diddy Kong Racing, but I don't think that's it either. <laughs> well, I'm going to give you full credit because it is the roulette sound from Mario Kart 8 Deluxe. Really? When you hit an item box, nice. yes, when you hit an item box, that's the sound it makes. Nice, nice job. Ooh. That explains why it sounds so familiar. <laughs> I know. It's almost, you know, it's easy to overthink because I'm sure we've all heard that sound hundreds of times. In our dreams, mm-hmm. yeah. <laughs> I know. I was, right. I was thinking you'd be craftier and go with a deep cut, so good work. <laughs> <laughs> all right. Well, we're going to finish things off with game forecast. This is where we always take a quick look at just some of the Nintendo Switch games that are coming out soon. I'm just going to run through the whole list here. Uh, on May 8th, we have Super Mash from Digital Continue. On May 12th, we have The Elder Scrolls Blades from Bethesda Softworks. Then on May 14th, we have Best Friend Forever from Alliance and Hunt Down from Coffee Stain Publishing. On May 15th, we have Hatsune Miku, Project Diva Megamix from Sega. On May 26th, we have Minecraft Dungeons from Mojang. May 27th, we have Ninjala from Gung Ho Online. And on May 29th, whew, it's a busy day. We've got Bioshock the Collection from Take-Two Interactive. Now, this includes Bioshock Remastered, Bioshock 2 Remastered, and Bioshock Infinite the Complete Edition. And, of course, you can buy any of those games individually, digitally as well. And then we have Borderlands Game of the Year Edition, also from Take-Two uh, Interactive. XOM, uh, sorry, XCOM 2 Collection from Take-Two. And Xenoblade Chronicles Definitive Edition from Nintendo. All right, that's a lot. And, uh, again, that's only just a sample of what's coming out this month. What jumps out to you guys? Well, obviously, Best Friend Forever, because it is like, I don't know if, if people haven't looked this game up. It's like a dating dog raising sim combo. I mean, it looks incredible. So <laughs> that one jumps off jumps off the page for me. Yeah, that's great. What about you? You fine? I, I got to say that Bioshock, the collection, just because I'm super excited to play those games again. It's I think it's I want to say it's been over 10 years since uh, since the original came out and like and to be able to play it again now and with fresh eyes I'm I'm super stoked. Great. Well, uh, I, you know, all of those sound great to me, but I'm going to go with Xenoblade Chronicles Definitive Edition. I, I played the version that came out for New Nintendo 3DS um, a while back and got I want to say like maybe 75% of the way through it and just never got over the hump there for the end, so now I'm looking at kind of the sharper graphics and some of the additional content that they're adding for this version and thinking this is where I'm finally going to right my past wrong and see this game all the way through to the end. <laughs> cool. Well, Morgan and you fine. Thanks so much for coming on the show. Thanks for having us. Yeah, my pleasure. Okay. See you next time. That's it for this episode of Nintendo Power Podcast. If you have any comments or questions you'd like us to consider answering on the show, you can email us at nintendopowerpodcast at noa.nintendo.com. Also, we always appreciate it if you can leave us a review, and be sure to subscribe so you get new episodes as soon as they're ready. Thanks for listening, and keep playing with power.